right. Thank you, Scott Shannon. Thanks to all of you for being with us. What a crazy, you know, back and forth and incredible news day it has been. Uh, let me let me give you the bottom line. The Hunter Biden sweetheart slap on the wrist, a deal that wouldn't be given to anybody else. Uh, deal that had to be signed off by this judge just completely fell a- apart and in a stunning turn of events that was unfolding over the course of a little over three hours today. Um, it, it was it was stunning. It was just fascinating to watch it all unfold. Uh, is he there yet or no? No. All right. Our friend uh, from Fox News. He's a real good friend. Uh, Griff Jenkins was in the courtroom for a lot of this. And I'll, I'll give you all the details we have and, and all the analysis you could ever want. We have Jay Seculo. Uh, we have James Comer on today. We have Bill O'Reilly today. We got everybody. And now we have Griff Jenkins. He was in the courtroom for most of uh, today. Wow. What a what a turn of events. Wow, Sean, I'll tell you, we certainly didn't expect to witness what we did today. It was contentious at times, obviously highly unexpected. I mean, we thought, you know, if you step back for a second, we thought this was going to be uh, signed, sealed, and delivered. It was a carefully orchestrated plea deal to help Hunter Biden avoid a high-profile trial because he's the president's son. But once Judge Mary Ellen Norica, a Trump appointee, by the way, started probing questions about this deal, we really learned that things were not going well. And there was a specific moment that I witnessed in there, Sean, which was when she was talking about the diversion part of the deal and the two sides, the prosecution and defense, really not able to explain to her how it was that this was constitutional. She said, I've never seen anything for this. Do you guys have a precedent for this? Neither prosecution or defense could say that. And it was the diversion part that allowed Hunter to avoid the prosecution for the felony gun charge. While and by the way, I want to remind people, this this is him lying on a gun application form. And I, I thought the Democrats cared so much about these tough laws on guns um, and that he would get a diversion program because he was, quote, addicted to drugs at the time. The same judge also had previously sentenced, in a very similar case, a guy to five years for the same charge. Yeah, it's a good point. And, you know, ultimately, the judge uh, has has said, just so we're clear with your listeners, uh, did not accept the deal for now. Now, she hasn't totally slammed the door, but she told both sides to go back and, you know, gave them up to 30 days to file briefs. And we presume at some point she'll call them back in the courtroom to do oral briefing, although she didn't set a timeline, to explain to her how it is that this is constitutional. And there was another moment that really stood out to me when the judge, Norica asked the prosecution, is there an investigation currently ongoing? And could Hunter Biden face additional charges in this matter, uh, with respect to things like FARA, the Foreign Agent Registration Act violations, because the investigation is, of course, into Hunter Biden's overseas dealings uh, with Burisma and with Chinese business partners. And when the prosecution said, yes, that's possible, the defense said, well, hang on, I'm not okay with that. Uh, You know, we thought we were getting uh, immunity here, broad immunity. So the judge had a problem with the constitutionality, the diversion part, of the deal, and she had a problem with really the scope, it appeared, and the, the broad nature, the immunity that, that Hunter was getting in this deal. He just about 20 minutes ago left the courtroom. Sean, I was shooting with my cell phone trying to get some good video. We had hoped to hear 
there were rumors that maybe the defense team uh, was going to was going to talk about this, but I think they were planning to go to the microphones to say, "Okay, well, we're glad that's behind us and move on." And now the situation is anything but. And just to walk it out a touch more, you know, I doubt you're going to hear uh, uh, the U.S. attorney. David Weiss, who's been doing this years-long investigation in Hunter Biden, I don't think he's going to be testifying anytime soon now for House Republicans with this matter unresolved. It's really quite a uh, significant day here in the courtroom and is as unexpected as we could have possibly imagined. Let me ask you about one moment in particular, and the New York Times reported on this, uh, that the judge became very, very angry, expressed her anger, uh, after being asked to, quote, rubber stamp a plea deal worked out between the lawyers and the father's Department of Justice. And, and you're right, you know, when she was asking these very pertinent questions, legal questions about can he still face additional charges, uh, which is where you know, obviously there was either a miscommunication, misunderstanding on some level, and the answer came back yes. Uh, she actually stood up for the Constitution and civil rights and said, you mean that means you're waiving your right to an attorney? You're waiving your right to this, this, this and this Um, very pertinent points. But the idea that, you know, during this hearing, she was angrily, you know, saying that she felt like she was being asked to rubber stamp an agreement that she had serious constitutional concerns about. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, look, it is uh, correct to say that she became agitated and angry with both sides. She was upset that she didn't want to be rubber stamping this plea deal that she had so many questions about. And there was one moment in there, Sean, that uh, honestly I felt like, and I didn't go to law school, but I felt like it must be what it's like when you sit in a classroom uh, during law school because she was lecturing the prosecution because it was structured, the diversion part was structured in a way that if uh, Hunter Biden were to violate the agreement with the two-year period of the, the probation to, to avoid the prosecution of the gun thing, it would, uh, it would be up to her to hold a fact-of-finding hearing to then determine whether the prosecution would bring charges for his violation. Now, that sounds like a lot, but she was ultimately explaining it in simpler terms after she laid it out and said, listen, we have separate branches of government, and I'm the judicial, and the executive is the one, the prosecutor is the one who decides to bring charges. You're not going to put me in that position. And she seemed, quite frankly, angry that they were that this deal and the prosecution was trying to put her in that position and made clear in no uncertain terms, that was not going to be the case. Now, we had this late-breaking story last night that came uh, out and uh, where literally there was an accusation against uh, Hunter Biden, one of his legal team members, happened to be a woman, misrepresenting themselves to the clerk's office. And anyway, the judge overseeing this, as you point out, District Judge uh, uh, Mary Ellen Narika. Uh, overseeing the case, suggesting that one of Hunter's lawyers had pretended to call from the committee chair because the committee had had sent in an amicus brief in this case. Yeah, so that was really the drama we got last night before things even started today. And and you you laid it out correctly there, Sean. I mean, what happened was late yesterday, the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, Jason uh, Smith, filed this amicus brief. Uh, asking the judge in the court to consider 
the testimony and findings of the two IRS whistleblowers that found uh, and testified without being challenged, by the way, by anybody, that the uh, deal was a sweetheart deal and that he got preferential uh, political uh, consideration uh, in this investigation. And so uh, he was simply saying, the, the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, saying, hey, court, Judge Narika, you need to consider this because that plea deal was structured way before we knew that. And then we learned that the judge issued an order demanding a response by 9 p.m. last night uh, about a clerk uh, or a staff member that worked in the uh, defense's office that had uh, potentially mischaracterized herself in calling to have that amicus brief uh, set aside and not considered the, the legal team, the lawyers, putting out a statement saying they had no idea how this misunderstanding could have happened. They did not indeed try and mischaracterize themselves. But that wasn't much of the discussion at all in court. It didn't really come up. It seems to have gotten settled because we quickly were off to the races with uh, learning that the judge was highly uh, unsatisfied with this plea agreement uh, and obviously ultimately put it on hold from going forward. So, you know, the question now is, Sean, what happens if he ultimately does decide to accept the agreement? And by the way, at one point, Judge Narika apologized, said, I'm sorry, Hunter, I know you want to get uh, this thing done and move on, but we simply can't until I have the, uh, the answers to satisfy the Constitution on the questions around it. Uh, we just don't know when we're going to find out whether it goes away or whether this really opens things up even wider than it was before this morning. Yeah, I mean, uh, just a a stunning turn of events here. And, you know, when the judge asked for whether or not either side, the the prosecution side or the defense side, and the prosecution, again, they're the ones that supposedly had struck this deal that that, that did not go through today, and it is now off the table. And while the judge, on the one hand, is offering more time, the fact that they couldn't offer a precedent on the drug diversion uh, agreement Either side couldn't uh, offer a precedent, and the judge has a history of punishing people for the same thing and giving one guy five years in jail. I think that's going to be a very hard hurdle for them to overcome. On top of that, and James Comer will give us more details later, we now have all of this information from these IRS whistleblowers and that they were stymied and stopped from continuing their investigation and interviewing Biden family members. Forget the president, put that aside, but but other Biden family members. And the idea that they had an opportunity to extend the statute of limitations and they passed on it, as all this information now begins to make it into the the bloodstream of this case, I'm not sure they're going to be able to get any sweetheart deal past this judge. I think you're probably on to something there. And, you know, to be... Fair, the judge gave both sides uh, ample opportunity on multiple occasions. She said, hey, help me out here. I've never seen a deal like this. It's never come before me. I'm not aware of one. I haven't heard of one. I haven't seen one. Help me understand how it is you came to this agreement in structuring it this way. And they clearly, both the prosecution and defense, had not expected to have to do that, and were, were uh, highly unprepared to, to be able to do that. They just assumed that it was going to be 
uh, not an issue. It wouldn't be challenged. And so she was very fair in just giving them multiple opportunities and, of course, gave us that recess that we saw uh, for the two sides to discuss with each other. I mean, she gave them every opportunity possible to try and, and, and get, get their, their act together and get on the same page, but it was certainly uh, not to happen. And now we're left at, she at the very end said, so how do you plead in this? And he said he pleads not guilty. So right now, no deal. And uh, Hunter Biden pleading not guilty to two tax charges with a lot more to come. What a a fascinating day uh, for you to be in the courtroom to actually witness this all unfold. uh, And you were doing a phenomenal job of being in the courtroom at the right time and then racing out to the Fox cameras outside and running back in. Um, You did a great job today, as always, and we appreciate your time. Uh, Griff Jenkins, my friend and colleague from the Fox News Channel, great reporting today, sir. Hey, thank you, Sean, as always, and we'll be on top of it and bring you the latest as we get. All right, Griff Jenkins, 800-941-SEAN, our number, if you want to be a part of the program. We got full, complete analysis of all this. I mean, it was a wow type of day, one you normally wouldn't expect. You'd expect prosecution makes a deal with the defense, uh, a plea deal, sweetheart deal. Uh, judge asks a few simple questions. They can't answer them. And the whole deal is completely off. Uh, now they have 30 days to maybe revive it. Do I think the odds are they're going to try? If I'm Hunter's attorneys, I'm going to try and revive this deal as quickly as I can, especially in light of what Jim Comer's committee and the House Judiciary Committee is looking into. I think every day it becomes harder uh, for them to do a, a sweetheart deal like this. Listen, we, we talk a lot about how much money the Planned Parenthood gets from the federal government, um, and we know that they are in in large part, in the abortion business. They would like to say the family uh, planning business. Okay, no, a big part of their business is abortion. There's a group called Preborn, and they're on a mission to use the science of ultrasound, 4D ultrasound, to show expecting moms the miracle of birth, what's growing inside them, and what they're discovering is for every free ultrasound they give, and each one costs 28 bucks, and they don't get a penny from the government, that expecting moms when they see facial features and can count fingers and toes and hear a heartbeat that the odds get incredibly higher that they're going to bring that baby full term and and help that baby they also offer counseling and baby food and and whatever other help people diapers whatever whatever parents need after the birth of the child lisa was scared to death anyway she went to preborn she saw on the ultrasound her baby heard the heartbeat she chose life was considering abortion. 28 bucks for every ultrasound. They don't get a penny from the federal government. So for this mission to continue, it depends on your generosity. Uh, I just bought them two uh, 4D ultrasound machines for two of their facilities that desperately needed it. Anyway, you can donate whatever you can. Pound 250, keyword baby. Pound 250, keyword baby. Check out their website, preborn.com slash Sean. That's preborn.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N.